0: Taking Back Birth is a production of the IndieBirth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Welcome to Podcast Sunday. Guess who I have here?
1: It's me, Margo.
0: (laughs) We're in the same room using the same microphone, which is a very special event. And today we're going to talk about midwives and if midwives make birth safer or not how did this all begin
1: well i think it's a question that people raise in some way or another pretty often but there was a particular comment somewhat recently on instagram after you had made a post where you said something to the effect of you don't think midwives necessarily make birth safer Obviously, we're on Instagram, so it wasn't like the, you know, podcast version of that thought, and so um, here we are doing that instead, which is a more fully fleshed out conversation because the answer is, you know, yes and no. It's not black and white.
0: Yeah, I was going to say the same. Black and white and somewhere like Instagram where somebody comes across our profile and doesn't really know much about what we do or whatever, so everything is taken very seriously. So if I remember, the post was in reference to yes, something I said around birth not being safer when we're present. But then a couple of posts before that was a talk um, or a post about breach skills and how we're having Doctor Stu here and blah blah blah. Mm, People right. can come and and get these skills. So this person was, I don't know, taking it very seriously that how can those two things be true together?
1: (laughs) Right. So why focus on skills at all and emergency skills in particular um, if we also think it maybe doesn't matter that much ultimately. But it's also looking at things from both, you know, a micro and macro view, which I think we'll get into. So, where to start? Well,
0: I always think of Carla Hartley actually, because I feel like she was the first one that I heard that statement from that midwives don't make birth safer than it already is, right? What's the quote? Birth is as safe as life gets. And I really do think that's true. So, we're going to go into the nuance of how midwives are valuable. Obviously, we think they're valuable or we wouldn't do what we do. Um, But I think just as like a, a, a simple statement, humans have been birthing other humans forever and there isn't a person or a place or a thing that makes the process any cooler than it really already is like at its simplest. So I don't know, I guess people would have to be on board with that thought or not. And, I, and definitely there's lots of people that aren't. Lots of people think birth is a disaster. And so that is not where I'm coming from.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's a really good kind of historical context. And right, there's sort of two camps there. People who are like, well, hundreds of years ago, birth was really dangerous. Um, and others who uh, take issue with that. And there's some really cool you know, research and historical documents out there really on both sides. So it comes down to a matter of belief and right that birth is already um, a relatively safe uh, thing that happens in our lives. And so then the question is, well, then what's a midwife about? And I guess, uh, you know, a part of that or where I'd go with that maybe first is, you know, birth is as safe as life gets and birth is um, safest when women are you know, healthy and, um, living in ways that are appropriate for our biology. Right. So like there are, you know, when we were getting ready to, to record this, it's like, well, context really matters. Location matters, um, background, lifestyle, all that matters. Um, so we're really talking about the women that we work with, um, which are normal, healthy women who have, um, really know, what's the word I'm looking for, you know, complicating factors or very few or minor ones um, that they're working with health-wise through their pregnancies. Um, you know, this would be a different conversation if we were talking about somewhere where women are living in dangerous conditions without access to food and, and that sort of thing. Um, so I guess just to put that disclaimer at the beginning too, at least that's how I'm, I'm thinking about it. What do you think?
0: Yeah, the same. I mean, food and nutrition and lifestyle are really important. And we are super privileged here. And the women we work with, for the most part, are. So that definitely lessens the need for like intervention and interference. Most definitely. I don't know.
1: The preventative piece, though, I think is really a cool place to start.
0: Yeah, I guess I was thinking, along with the kind of two questions that were asked on social media, I was telling you I had this free workshop last weekend Mm -hmm. in Lexington, and somebody did ask a similar question because they watch all these beautiful birth videos. Of course, they're only watching where the baby comes out, which I always tell them, you know, that's not really birth, but here we are. And it's very inspiring. And I'm always not even visible on the camera as you often aren't. And and we're taking the video or whatever. So this woman's question, I think, was along the lines of like, (laughs) what is the point? Like, why are you there? And she meant it as sincerely as possible. Um, So it brings into question like that again. And why don't people just have free births if that's what they want? But I think I reminded her that the moment you see where the baby comes out, normally isn't complicated, right? And it's because of all the hard work that a woman does. And I'd say we don't do the work for her, but having the support as she does the work and knowing the rare thing to look out for or, you know, how to coach someone with nutrition or through an emotional issue, that does make a difference and that influences that moment of birth even though you could never know that for sure. You
1: can't see it on the video.
0: You can't see it on the video. And so you think, oh, well, babies just fall out. What's that lady doing there?
1: <laughs> What's that weird lady doing there? Why is she, why is she here? Yeah. Why is she hiding in the corner? Why is she hiding in the corner? Yeah. Um, I guess where I'd want to take that is just more into that that piece around, like, prevention. So, you know, I already said this part about – working with people who are relatively healthy and you know usually well resourced and that sort of thing but you know even those people um have a lot that they need prenatally often and so i was talking with our students about this uh our indie birth with free school students on a weekly call recently and i mentioned this kind of just as an aside and i think a few of them like raised their eyebrows and probably will talk more in depth with them about it on some future calls but I said, you know, I don't think midwives necessarily make the midwi- the kind of midwives we are and the kind of midwives we're training. I don't think who are working with the populations they're working with. I don't think necessarily change life or death outcomes very often, you know, for zooming out on like a public health macro level, you know, how often does that really happen that our presence makes the difference, um, between life and death. That being said, I think we can prevent a lot of, um, just like less than opt. And maybe we can get into this in a minute here, but, uh, a lot of the less than optimal outcomes where people are sick or unwell, or, you know, have preterm babies or infections or, you know, like things that can be prevented through really solid, um, really solid prenatal care. Not, I'm not talking about 15 minute visits. Um, that kind of stuff I think we can do a lot of as midwives. And I'm kind of sticking to the physical stuff right this second, but there's also the emotional and spiritual stuff. So there's there's things we can do to improve um, health going into the birth on like the physical level. And then there's also just the experience of being supported through a pregnancy that is just totally revolutionary for women in a culture where we're not supported as women. And where we're told like we're less than from the time we're born most of the time. Um, So that in itself is revolutionary and then is absolutely going to change the birth experience, the postpartum experience, and that woman's experience of mothering, which then changes the world. So, you know, when I say midwives don't um, make birth safer, that doesn't mean I think midwives aren't amazing and crucial in sort of like a global revolutionary sense.
0: Yeah, I'm not fond of the word safer, really. Yeah. I don't think you are either. It gives
1: me the heavy jibbies. It's right. It's too much.
0: Well, it's the focus on anything being without risk, which, of course, is not possible. So birth has risk. And safe just kind of being the opposite of, like, death rather than safer, flourishing. Like safe, safe, right.
1: They're very similar words.
0: Right. So I think... We're pretty careful not to say those kind of things, especially in interactions with clients, you know, Um, like if somebody comes and that's kind of their perception of a midwife, and I've had people say that, right, Mm -hmm. where they're like, oh, well, I just want someone there to keep me safe and make sure the baby is safe. I will call them out on that, or they're just not the right person. Not that that can't be talked through, because I think the medical model has (laughs) ruined it in a sense. Because for so long and continually, they're always telling people that they were saved. That, oh, if we hadn't done this, you would have died. Mm -hmm. Oh, if we hadn't rescued your baby, your baby would have died. And so there's this cultural misconception. And it's not even just a misconception. I think it's a consciousness that's like everywhere, even when people don't realize it, that birth is dangerous and that you need someone there to save you. And so, in trying to change that with the kind of midwives we are, and we're creating, yeah, there's a lot of nuance. It's just not so easy to to answer that.
1: Totally, and maybe we could shift into yeah, talking more about like birth and emergencies and that sort of thing. If you feel like the pregnancy piece is. I mean, there's a lot of other great episodes you've done on prenatal care that people could go back and listen to, because if you don't understand the difference between what we're talking about, like wise woman prenatal care and like the regular Joe Schmo drive by (laughs) prenatal care most women get, like this maybe doesn't make a lot of sense, but you should totally go listen to those episodes. If
0: you're like just two minute, like you know, mainstream midwife, what, what they would do yeah. versus
1: Well, yeah, totally. And I feel like I have a really solid, um, you know, personal experience with this as someone who trained kind of at the end of my so the beginning of my apprenticeship was with Marin, where I got to see this like really in depth whole woman you know, what we call wise woman prenatal care being practiced. But at the end of my apprenticeship, I did a short time at a birth center, Mm -hmm. which is no longer in existence, or they changed names and owners or something. So I feel like I can be even more bold now, um, where I was part of a much more medical type of midwifery. And even though it was out of hospital and it was was with direct entry midwives, these were not CNMs, these were CPMs. Mm Um, many of whom are, you know, working very closely with students at Meek schools, um, specifically the one nearby in Utah. Uh, yep. Uh, and so I I got to see what that looked like. And, you know, they allotted, I think they allotted half an hour for visits, but women were never there for the full half Holy hour. What? Um, And we would sit like, they'd sit down and my job, even as the primary midwife, you know, I was trying, I was supposed to be in this primary midwife role, um, was literally to just strap on a wrist monitor, like for taking their blood pressure and pulse, which is like horrifically inaccurate, um, strap that on while the, you know, the other, the teaching midwife, the preceptor kind of just ran through the list of very basic questions. How are you feeling? Anything different, um, you know, any visual disturbances, headaches lately, like just literally the checkbox on a laptop. Um, and then we would have her lay down and feel her belly, listen to the baby, and then just like a very cursory, like, well, any questions for us today? And they were out the door. I mean, there was no, like, personal connection or very, very, very little. And it was really uncomfortable for me um, as someone who had experienced this other kind of prenatal care um where you really like grew to know and love this woman and her family and know a lot about her going into the birth um and of course this model um which i really do you know think it was a great experience for a lot of reasons but this model of you know sh- showing up at a birth as the primary midwife and some of these women i had never met Right. Like they hadn't come in yet for their appointment. And that first week I was on call. And so here I am your primary midwife and I've never met you. Or, um, you know, even the ones that happened kind of at the end of my month there, I had maybe met, you know, the three or four times, but for a total of, you know, 45 minutes. And it just felt so, um, I kind of like have described it to people, especially when I'm doing interviews and they're like, well, what's your experience like? Or the the last, we don't have a birth center in Duluth anymore, but when they would ask about that, it's like, yeah, I can totally tell you about my experience working at a birth center. Not that they're all the same, but I felt really cut off from, without having that relationship with a woman, I felt really cut off from, um, that relational aspect And, um, was less able to kind of tune into my own intuition because I didn't know her as well. So that was more than the two minute version, but prenatal care is so important because if something does come up during the labor, again, typically not life threatening, right. But if someone's having a really long labor or, you know, whatever it looks like, you know, knowing them really well over many hours, um, is only going to be to your benefit. Uh, when trying to work through the likely like emotional stuff that comes up either because, which is like either a cause of what's going on or comes up as a result of what's going on.
0: So many good things there. I don't know where to go. Okay. You go pee. Um, Something that jumped out that is obvious to us, but might be not as obvious to people listening or even people that have gone to a a meek school or practiced in a more medical midwifery model is just what Margot said, which is spending time with women because they want you there, not because they need you as a crutch, but they want you there, they want that relationship. It actually does affect the birth, I think. And I feel like there have been research-based things that say that, right? The more women trust their birth team, wow, the more, um, you know, positive outcomes they have. And also, this is like the longest sentence ever, (laughs) that when we have these relationships in this model of midwifery, that the interference and interventions in birth is so much lower. And that's another misconception is that the way we practice whatever label people want to slap on that oh, they're just doing nothing. They just go in the other room. I always say, you know, they're just hippie midwives that knit in the other room. It's like, no, actually, uh, we know the things. But when you know someone really well, you don't have to guess like you would, like you're saying uh, in labor. You know, if she says, my baby isn't moving and you decide you're going to listen, that means a lot coming from this woman, this personality rather than someone you've never met before. So it's hard at a certain point to separate the woman's experience and the outcomes kind of like we started, and then also this experience of midwifery that midwives have. And, and, and um, we don't have to go there, but all the women we hear from that are like burnt out and kind of like grossed out practicing mainstream midwifery because they haven't been taught these things, And they think they're there to save someone. And there is nothing more draining than being in that God role. I mean, if I'm grateful for one thing, it's that I'm not in that role.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Before you said that, that's totally what I was going to chime in and say. Like, yeah, they haven't been taught the stuff we're talking about. And they have been taught, like, you are there to save people. you're responsible. You're 100% responsible. And they're often working with people who believe that. And inevitably that will be problematic. Like Mm -hmm. if you're a midwife long enough, like there, someone is going to have an outcome that they don't like. And they're, if you're practicing in that way, they're going to blame you. Um, and even if you're not practicing in that way, if you're practicing the way we are, like there's still that chance, but it's so much lower. And if you've had these conversations with them ahead of time, like it's so much less likely because hopefully you were clear in your beliefs and, um, philosophy and approach. And yeah, I, like I said, it's, I think, exceedingly rare that our presence will change the outcome in a life or death situation. Um, and a thought I had while I was going pee just now was, oh, what was it? I had it phrased so well in my brain, just that clinical information, um, for me has never, told me something that I didn't already feel, specifically when working with women that I knew well um, and had that connection with and that relationship with. It's always just confirmed um, what I already felt was happening. And I kind of wish we had like pulled up some stories to share um, around how that might look. But maybe I'll maybe one. Some. Oh, well, perfect. Here comes the microphone. <laughs>
0: Well, I had the luxury of hearing you say this and I was thinking in my brain, not even a birth story, but I can think of a recent-ish prenatal situation that would be so different with someone you didn't know, mm-hmm. um, which is measuring large, right? The uterus measuring large and having a talk about that and what it could mean And leaving it in the woman's hands to determine, hey, does she want to find out more? Is an ultrasound in order? And not telling her even my opinion or intuition, which was, it's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. But if I had just met that woman or she had just kind of come into a clinic, I wouldn't feel that way most likely. And to cover my ass because I don't know her and I don't know what she believes and I don't know that she even wants to take responsibility, I would have said, you're going for an ultrasound, which, by the way, I don't think I've ever said to anyone. But in theory, hey, you're measuring outside of what's acceptable. We don't know why. You haven't had any ultrasounds. So the recommendation is to go for an ultrasound. So in this case, um, it was really beautiful to see her reaction, her response, for her to work through her own fears and her own decision-making process And I know ultimately to not have been told what to do and have to come to it on her own. So I think there's like there's so many stories of of things like that that, again, aren't life threatening, but they might be outside of what we're taught is normal. And what benefit is there to just telling a woman what to do? Because not only is sometimes that not helpful in all of the ways, but you're missing a chance for her to like tune in and figure it out and honestly to trust you in a new way, like to trust you to be the one to hold the space. Um, And she also trusts you, you know, to say, Hey, I do think this is serious anyway, blah, blah.
1: Yeah. As you're saying that, I guess the example, which is kind of like an amalgamation of lots of different birth stories um, that comes to mind for me is like a non-emergent, transport for long labor or maternal exhaustion and like this question of like well what would have happened if I wasn't there you know like the outcome would have been the same it's just the experience would have been a lot shittier (laughs) probably you know as long as you're not being like a dick midwife who like actually makes the experience worse so well that's don't 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 be that but you know like these I can think of transports that I've had where Like, you know, whatever we, we, I do a vaginal exam, you know, a few times because it's getting long and the mom's wondering, like, am I making progress? Like, where am I at? And in retros, you know, not even in retrospect, in the moment even, right? Like we have this conversation about like, this probably isn't going to necessarily impact the timing of how anything unfolds, um, or decision-making, although it kind of can, but, you know, if I wasn't there or if someone wasn't there who could do a vaginal exam, the outcome would have been likely the same, if not, you know, that they would have gone to the hospital sooner even. Um, so I don't know what I'm saying other than to say those are situations where if I had none of my clinical skills, if I had no tools, no experience with like exams or whatever, or even like labor patterns and what's normal, Like that person, if they were having a free birth, probably would have, you know, it would have looked exactly the same. It's just, they wouldn't have had, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, I mean, just like the love and care and support through that process, um, so that they didn't feel alone in it, you know? And that's what I've said. And I actually just, did I just record a podcast about this? Um, where I said like, um, you know, with Arrow's birth, my second Like, yeah, I guess I could have done it alone, but it would have sucked real bad (laughs) if Marin hadn't been there. Like, it just was so helpful, not just to have someone with clinical skills, but just to have someone to, like, hold that space and um, be a support beyond what a doula can provide. Someone who's, like, truly knowledgeable about birth.
0: Yeah, I feel that way about Rumi's birth. Same thing. It would have been so much scarier to just have been there alone. And I don't even know what I would have done because I wouldn't have had maybe the mind space to like even make the call that, you know, so of course, I think midwives are so valuable. And like you're saying, I can think of a bunch of stories where someone's close to having a baby even and they're miserable and they hate it and they want to go to the hospital. And I always say. I'm not here to keep you at home. Like, go do what you want. But also, if you can do a vaginal exam or, you know, assess in other ways, too, your baby's coming. Like, this is the hard part, you know? And if you know that woman, then it's also part of the picture, her emotional landscape. So there's that. And then I think there definitely is kind of like the, the rare story. And I guess we hear more than most people. So I know they're rare, but we hear more than our fair share of babies dying in free births. Like, you know, so it's a really hard topic because I would never want to say, oh, well, if a midwife was there, that wouldn't have happened. Not only is that not compassionate, but it's likely not true. But I think there are circumstances where experience, for one, would be really valuable because how can we expect women let's say it's their first pregnancy even, like how could you possibly know the things that might be really crucial? Yes, intuition. Yes, all the things. And yes, I'd say we all get what we need and all of that new agey stuff. Um, But in the end, there are stories where women are sick or something is going on and they don't know because they haven't asked and they don't want to enlist support And that doesn't turn out so well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is important, an important takeaway in this conversation. And like I said, when you zoom all the way out, and this is what I said to our students recently, if we're looking at a million births, like how many many of those stories are there? That doesn't mean they're not true, you know, in the end. So there are those very rare births where having a midwife there really does make the difference between life and death and then there are times where there's a poor outcome and it wouldn't have mattered like both of those things are true and that's where an Instagram post just doesn't cut it for like the depth that is required around these like really big and like culturally um sort of unacceptable conversations um And, you know, these are not the widely held beliefs of like the midwifery community at large, right? Like there's probably people, I mean, there are people who would listen to this and just be absolutely horrified that, that a midwife would say that, you know, speaking at like the, the zoomed out big level, that midwives probably don't actually make birth that much safer. Like maybe one in, I don't, I don't want to like pick a number out of the air, but one in very, very, very many cases. Is that actually true? Right. Um, and yet that is one of the reasons that we do teach emergency skills and, um, and those, and it's funny, we were kind of talking about this the other day. It's almost this whole last third of our midwifery program, essentially, but it's for the one in however many births that you actually are called upon to use those right. skills. Um, I think you use the skills more often than it actually. Imp- okay. So this is going to be a convoluted sentence. Let's see. I think we do use our emergency skills fairly often actually, but I think it's extremely rare that even when we use them, that it's changing the outcome. I think it's again, just mitigating things where like, you know, an a, a example that comes to mind because it comes up all the time, especially when supporting people who are uh, having a free birth, which we do fairly often. Um, cause again, uh, here's some more nuance, like just because we're midwives and <laughs> don't think free birth is probably the best option for most women. Um, we do still support it of course as an option and there are women that it's right for. Okay. <sighs> but, um, You know, like there are women even in other countries who don't have access to midwives at all that I've supported. Um, And a thing that can often come up, even not in other countries, um, is I guess the most common way this looks is they have the baby and the placenta doesn't come out. Like I can't even count how many texts, phone calls um you know people facebook or like put on our platform like help like my placenta won't come out and it's been some ungodly number of hours or whatever um or the baby comes out and they're bleeding and either they're actually not bleeding too much but they freak out and go in and that sucks you know or um but it's not it sucks but it's not a life or death thing right and so that's where you know maybe um, I would say midwives can prevent some trauma too, for sure, of entering into a system that typically, um, is still pretty traumatic for most people. Um, but I digress, or this is my, my second part of that very long sentence is, or they're, they are bleeding too much and maybe they don't realize Uh, As soon as a midwife would have, um, and maybe they don't have the tools and knowledge around how to um, slow the bleeding, even if they still ultimately would have transported, um, that's a place where a midwife can totally improve, I mean, even just at the purely physical level, like, they wouldn't have lost as much blood probably, and so they probably wouldn't feel as crappy afterwards, Um, even if, again, it's not life or death. I think that's really rare that we're going to, like, prevent somebody from actually bleeding to death if that makes sense right. that should be extremely rare like beyond extremely rare right.
0: right rare but yet sometimes clients looking to you might kind of put themselves in worse shape almost I don't know that that's a rabbit hole you want to go down rather than I think with free birth Most people are just quicker to call for help in a way because they're not looking for someone else to solve it that's there. Right. So there's that. But what I wanted to say, which is related, is actually I feel like I've gotten so much confidence as a midwife from free births, like from watching them, from working with people. Um, You know, it gives me confidence in like the fact that birth works almost always. Mm -hmm. And so if I needed to do something, I'd be able to do it. And if I didn't make the birth or whatever, most people are going to be fine. I mean, we were watching this unassisted breech birth (laughs) online the other day, and that's very vague, so it won't point any fingers at anybody. Um, But it was pretty horrifying in that the baby was sort of stuck and there was no one there to help. There was no one there to say, hey, try this even, much less put hands in. So it was completely unattended and sort of had this panicky feel. It was very hard to watch, very unnerving. And it still worked out fine. So, (laughs) you know, I think it's what Margot said, like, on one hand, yes, it's great to have skills. Um, On the other hand, you know, we don't want to get too egotistical about ourselves and how we might change things when most of the time it would work out OK. Um, but I'm just like piggybacking on what you said, which is, you know, perhaps that woman was really traumatized. I don't know. But it w- might be really scary to have a baby hanging out of your body by its head mm-hmm. and and to not know what to do. What next, yeah. What
1: to do. When there were like very simple things that could have been done. And what that reminded me of is um, another this is based on a real story, too. Uh, where a midwife was there. Um, let me see how I want to tell this story. Okay. So I guess what this made me think of, I'm going to not based on a real story, but I'm going to give you a hypothetical here. Um, and that would be, again, if we're thinking about like a, you know, a breech birth where some, no one's there who kind of knows what to do. If a baby's not coming out in either good shape or, um, in a reasonable amount of time, And it still works out great. Like the baby does come out, um, but maybe needs to be resuscitated because of those extra couple minutes it took to actually be born. Um, I think that's a really good example, again, of like, it's probably not a life or death thing. Most women who are planning a free birth, um, and even those who aren't, who maybe are having an accidentally unassisted birth or whatever, um, instinctually will give a baby breaths, but again, this would be another good example of, like, if a midwife was there who knew the maneuvers to get a baby out quicker, like, maybe that would have been avoided. Um, and, you know, again, I guess we could have a really philosophical conversation about whether or not that's a good thing. Um, but I would tend to err on the side of, like, that being a good thing. And that is kind of based off of um, loosely a story that, um, again, I don't want to, like, spell it out. Too clearly for reasons of anonymity and such, but, um, but that's a real possibility, right? Like, a baby does come out in a breech birth almost always, um, but right, like in what shape, and could a midwife who was there have perhaps helped? Um, it just be a better experience with, you know, ultimately less intervention. If it's just a matter of like doing the chest press on a baby with Frank's Nudge, right, is like the fun name for it. Um, and maybe that would have saved a minute or two of cord compression and just a generally happier, healthier transition to life. Yeah.
0: yeah and I want to say too that just to be clear, it's not that we don't think women are capable of these things on their own, right? So. I think that's definitely been proven in so many stories. I remember reading years ago, I think it was Sister Morningstar, like telling a story about a shoulder dystocia and how women would, if they had to, maybe like break their own bodies to get their own babies out. And that gave me so much confidence too. And that's a whole other thing is like, I think we're about returning whatever power has been lost in the ecosystem to the woman and trusting her. And I say that to myself a lot, even going to birth. It's like, this is not my birth. Like, I will do what I can, Mm -hmm. but the woman needs to take responsibility too for whatever it is and like help. You can't check out. Mm -hmm. But I guess what I was gonna say is sometimes people do check out (laughs) and that's okay too because it happens. And so it's not a matter of not knowing or being dumb or whatever. It's just when you're the one in labor, um, one minute might seem like, 10 minutes or 10 minutes might seem like one minute and you don't even know the timeline that you're dealing with. So to have someone there that you really trust, that you know is kind of like holding it down and if your baby's been hanging out of you for 15 minutes, is darn well going to say something or get, you know, get in there with permission. So um, it's like women deserve all the credit, but yet if you're really in labor land, Mm -hmm. um, it's really... Nice to have someone to protect the space. I've always felt like that with you there, that I didn't have to think about certain things. And so that's the use of a midwife for people that even feel really super confident and they don't want anything. They don't need anything. A midwife is still something that they might want, not need, want.
1: I don't know how to follow that up. That was great. So I don't know if we've answered the question. Do midwives make birth safer? Guess back to the beginning, yes and no, very, 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 very rarely. Um, but I guess if I had to summarize it, yeah, I think we can make the experience, the emotional and spiritual experience, way better.
0: That should be the question. It should just not be a question. Uh, That's
1: what I think. Just not be it's a not question. Me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we can improve. We can't improve, but I think we can help women improve their health and prevent like gnarly stuff from happening before the birth. So I think that's huge. And I think we can help women work through a lot before the birth so that it goes as smoothly as possible. Um, and then of course, like you were just so eloquently saying, like being a trusted person in the room, if it, if something does come up, even if it's again, not life threatening and maybe they could have figured it out on their own. Like, I think that's just invaluable. Um, whatever the, the sort of emergency is that we're talking about or um, complicating circumstance. And then, um, you know, I think all of that also is just, you know, ditto for the postpartum time, of course, as well. What other, like, concluding thoughts?
0: This is maybe another topic for another day. Okay. But I think it's a cultural problem in how we assign value to any profession. Mm. And so we have money in there <clears throat> and we have well-meaning people that maybe aren't aware of like the kind of work we're we're doing or the nuance. And I've felt it even in consults, it's kind of like, well, what am I paying for then? If it's not safe. Yeah, like I've seen all your videos and you're not even in them. <laughs> so what am I paying for? And, you know, very few people kind of boldly state that they're more likely to just hire someone else, which also is fine and very perfect. So, you know, you're not trying to convince people that don't get it. But just for fun, I think it's interesting to just rethink value being on the not doing rather than the doing and knowing from the midwife perspective that to not do you have to know how to do. So you don't just not do because you don't have experience. And I think some of our students have been confused about this. Well, if I just don't need to do anything, and I'm just going to like pray over them, um, you know, then I'm not really doing anything. But you're you're not doing, but only because you know what to do. It's a weird like backwards thing But I think, you know, there are definitely other professions like that. And I've given this analogy. I think I gave it in like the, should I have a free birth of my first baby so I won't do the whole thing. But like if you were going on a road trip in a car and you'd never driven before, much less cross country, like would it feel good to have someone just sit there that knew how to operate a car and had been on the road before? like? I think that's what I feel like we do. We're just there. We're just along for the ride. Um, Yeah. And not even that, like we're just watching it happen. But there are things that you would know or have seen or have experienced that might be really valuable. And that doesn't take away from that person driving. Mm -hmm. They're still going to drive. Hopefully they have an even better trip and, you know, whatever. But it's not because you're micromanaging, and you're grabbing the wheel and all of that. And I think, again, it's super conflicting with midwifery in general. Like people are so confused. And so that's why we talk about these things.
1: Well, and to expand on your metaphor with something else you said earlier, like the checking out piece, like, of course, if somebody's like asleep at the wheel, then you do, you do step in. Right, of course. And I think that, you know, I haven't seen that happen a lot. If we're, you know, going back to talking about labor and birth, but like, I totally have had clients who, you know, are amazingly prepared and confident and all the things have a moment of just like, you know, me asking like, do you, what do you think is going on? Or do you feel okay about like what, whether it's like this amount of bleeding or, um, you know, labor being long or whatever it is. And, and I've had, I've had them surprise me sometimes being like, I don't know, like I can't be tuned in right now for whatever reason. And so it's, um, something that any midwife or any anyone who's attending birth like has to be prepared for that possibility yeah. too because and then there's no shame in that you know for the woman um, but in those that are experience conversations, I feel like tell me more
0: <laughs> I say that to people I say I'm going to ask you in labor if your right. baby's moving and if you can't tell me right. because you don't know or the baby isn't moving then we're probably going to listen right. And same with anything else. If I ask you a question about how you're doing in your body and you can't give a clear answer, there's no judgment on that, but I will step more into the midwife role. And so just so you know that, and it gives them the opportunity to know that and to prepare themselves accordingly. And I think most important, it reinforces that deep belief I have, which is I can't ever know more about what's going on with you than you do. And I say that so many times through someone's pregnancy, you think they would really get it, but you know, it's okay. Um, Who knows what they'll want? And I always say that too. Who knows what you'll want? Mm -hmm. Who knows what you'll feel? Who knows how connected you'll be? Like, I don't want to put an expectation on that because Mm -hmm. it's not my thing to be expected about, you know, it's whatever is. That was great. (laughs) Well, any, any real last thoughts?
1: I guess I would love to hear what people think about this. You know, I think this is a really cool conversation and um is I think really central to what we're trying to do here at Indie Birth, both working with women, you know, as our own clients and through 13 Moons, um as well as through training another generation of midwives at the Indie Birth Midwifery School. I think this is um one of the central questions and things that we need to figure out how to communicate. So I'd love to hear if you think we did a good job or if you have more to add or ways that you think are better at explaining this, um, because it's, it's a big, important thing. And like you said, Marin, like it's, it's a cultural thing. We've said it a couple of times actually in the last 45 ish minutes. Um, that this is a, it stems from a, from a cultural, um, belief that right paying someone hiring someone especially someone who's seen as like a healthcare professional um should mean that you're buying safety or you're buying an outcome um which has got to be just so terrible for doctors in the system who like you know I know that there are some out there who are trying to change that um as well but it's just got to be even worse for them when like that is the the cultural narrative like you go to the doctor and you're paying them to like fix you and save your life yeah. um and that's probably why so many of them are having a hard time and struggling and and don't enjoy their jobs but um <laughs> yeah. aside from, yeah but yeah so i guess that's that's where i would leave it is just this is a cultural a giant cultural shift that we're asking people to make and um, you know I'm excited to see in our lifetime how much of a shift can happen even if it's in just pockets of people and places. Um, and we do hear from women all over the world who do feel this way and and women who want to be midwives in this way. so it is happening.
0: It's definitely happening happening. and yes, women that want to be midwives in this way, I mean we have tons of students. And I feel like a lot of our own clients even, you know, that have experienced this want to go on to become midwives. And I think that's not necessarily a great compliment to us personally, but just that this model is something that women really feel like in their hearts and in their bodies. And they understand it at a visceral level, which is also really cool. I think the last thing that came to mind for me was closing with another Carla Hartley thought, which... I'm going to butcher. I mean, I don't know exactly how she said it, but in this model of midwifery, we are not ultimately responsible. It is not our birth. It is not our experience, but we are accountable to ourselves and our knowledge and doing the best we can and having skills when needed. And even though both of us have been doing this for a while, we never stop learning. We never stop expanding and trying new things. And I think that is again where maybe mainstream midwifery has fallen short short um short <laughs> oh god too much kombucha and not enough I like shark better, like yeah shart. modern midwifery or medical it's midwifery short. has fallen short there we should just end with that now we can't say anything what? serious after that <laughs> okay i'm gonna stop talking i think you get the you get the gist
1: from the image that is in my mind right now that's how we feel about modern mainstream i know see
0: that was totally a freudian slip i couldn't help it
1: (laughs) (laughs) leave it on the laughter yeah
0: we're gonna leave it uh check out our school if that's new to you indybirthmedofficechool.org and yeah i'm sure we'll be back for more soon (laughs) have a great week everybody bye